Hello and welcome to the Scottish Football Monitor. I'm John Cole and this is the very first weekly monitor, a series of weekly roundups which we hope will sum up the events of the week and as a consequence maybe give us all some pause for thought. Before we get into that though, I'd like to give a wee shout out for a programme that we are putting together on the subject of strict liability. That is the principle that clubs are responsible for the behaviour of their own fans and that they could face sanctions as a consequence of any misbehaviour. There are different views in this issue. Certainly between the clubs, the police, charities like Null by Mouth and the Scottish Government. In order to get the widest possible input into our discussion, we have written to 22 Scottish football clubs, to Null by Mouth, to Police Scotland and to the Scottish Government themselves. After a week, we have received replies from Null by Mouth and the Government, but absolutely no football clubs. Hopefully we'll get to hear from some of our clubs before we start to put the programme together, because it is important that we hear their side of the story and you'll be hearing from us when we get to that. In this programme today we will be looking at the events of the week as well as some of the interesting social media tidbits uh, that have been turning up from time to time as well. We'll also be talking to Ali Begg, the former boy band star turned TV presenter, producer and author of the book Beg to Differ about his experiences in the 80s as an Aberdeen fan. And we'll also be talking to our old friend Ali Jumble about his beloved hearts and their progress so far this season. But more of that later. Well, it's been an interesting week in the Cup and the League. Uh, the much-awaited, by some anyway, Celtic Rangers Cup semi-final ended in a narrow margin which favours Celtic, but to many describe an ever-widening gap in quality between the two Glasgow sides. Aberdeen and the other semi-finals strode with relative ease past Morton, uh, although the Greenock side had their moments in the Hamden Sun before finally succumbing to what was a similar gulf in class. Sadly for Aberdeen, their title challenge suffered a blow uh, after an away defeat to Hamilton Ackies on Tuesday night and a home defeat to Celtic in Scotland's Game of the Day on Saturday. At Hamilton, a disputed penalty, a failure to take chances and uh, a somewhat leggy performance after their Hamden exertions all contributed to a disappointing night for Derek McInnes' team. And against Celtic, another disputed penalty, this time one that Aberdeen fans thought their team should have been awarded. Uh, it was not awarded by the referee, and despite a late flurry where there was uh, they laid siege to Celtic's goal for the last 10 minutes, it wasn't enough to save a point. And the upside though for Aberdeen, cup final date uh, against Celtic uh, is now in the cards for the 27th of November and it will be witnessed by a crowd which contains 50% of their own fans. A clever early PR intervention by the club to insist on a 50-50 split in ticket allocation was conceded almost immediately by the SPFL. Of course it seems absurd that a club who can take 40,000 fans to show matches in Glasgow should have any need for uh, at any concern that they would get any less than 50% percent of the tickets but on this occasion there's no point in carping the authorities have done the right thing Ali Begg is a well-kent face in the entertainment world a passionate fan of Aberdeen and an SFA qualified footy coach to boot Ali was one of the voices behind the pop band Bad Boys Inc a career detour took him to Manchester United TV and to Celtic TV as the main anchor in both of those channels and he is now senior football producer at BN Sports in Qatar. Ali also published in 2014 a chronicle of his and his family's love of football and of the Dons. I spoke to him ahead of Saturday's match, where he offered some insight into his team's progress this season and their prospects for the Cup final. 
Alex. Let's talk about Aberdeen's season so far because, it, let's be honest, it's been probably what you expected in terms of being able to compete at the top, but now a cup final in the offing and, uh, and everything seems uh, rosy, notwithstanding Tuesday night. Well, I've got to be honest, I think we've been a little bit hit and miss so far this season. I don't think we've played as well as we did last season. For example, the, the beginning of last season was just incredible when we went on that record beginning and uh, just went so many games unbeaten, set a new club record. I don't think we've quite matched that just yet. We've played really well in some games, but yet we've also played really poor in other games. And I have to be honest, the result against Hamilton didn't come as a big surprise to me because I think the defeat was in us. I thought we were poor against Morton, but we did enough to win the game in the League Cup semi-final. I thought we were very poor against St. Johnston in the quarter-final, but again, did enough to win it. I thought we played into Rangers' hands when we played them at Petodre. Okay, it's a results business, and I understand that. We got the two goals, I understand that. But I thought we played into their hands, and I couldn't understand why Derek McInnes chose those tactics when, in my opinion, Rangers are a very average side. They should be coming to Petodre full of fear. Yet we appear to be the team full of fear on that day. And we sat in, we let them play their tactics against us and hope to hit them on the counter-attack. OK, you could argue that it worked at the end of the day that we got the two goals from counter-attacks, which obviously led to the Johnny Hayes opener and then the free kick. But I don't understand why we were playing into their hands. We're a much better team than Rangers. Um, we have stronger players, we have more creative players, and I don't understand why we didn't play our game on that day. So I think our season has been a little bit hit and miss. I expect more. I have been slightly disappointed, but I'll take second place. I think the results went in our favour on Tuesday, oh sorry, on Wednesday night after Tuesday's defeat. Yeah. So still to sit second. Um, listen, I'll take it. We're sitting second. We're in a cup final. I don't think too many people will argue with that, but I just expect a little bit more. I think we've got more in us. I think you're talking about quality as well. I think that particularly in the Cup semi-final, that although Morton, as you would expect, <laughs> a, a team from lower divisions to turn up and, and have a real go, and, and I think they did have a real go, but the, the quality just came through in the end for Aberdeen. That must be a positive thing. Do you know that you've got that quality, I mean? Yeah, for sure. You know, we've got the creative players like Niall McGinn and Johnny Hayes, and I think uh, Graham Shinney, is a, is a rock for us in midfield and can open up defences. Kenny McLean, I'm still expecting a little bit more from Kenny. I mm. think he can be more creative. So we've got the creativity in the game. We can, we're can. we very powerful, I think, down the flanks. I think we're very strong down that part of the field. I also think, you know, in Adam Rooney, we've got a very solid centre-forward. I would like a wee bit more mobility from him. I think he needs to move the central defensive partnerships of our opponents around a little bit more. But listen, he's so dangerous in front of goal. So Adam, for me, should be a, a starter every week. So I have no issues with that at all. But yes, you know, the quality came through in the end against Morton, but we made such hard work of it. And it reminded me of the quarterfinal where we know how a team like St. Johnston is going to play against us. And it's up to us to make sure that we counter their negativity. I'm not suggesting that Morton were negative in their tactics. They were far from it. I thought they actually looked quite dangerous for spells in the game. Uh, but we've got to make sure that our quality shines through and that we're able to counter any sort of negativity from our opponents. So, yeah, listen, we're doing fine. I, I, I'm not overly grumbling. 
I, I, as I said before, in fear of repeating myself, I just think we can do better. And I expect us to, to up our game. We have to up our game tomorrow against Celtic. We've got absolutely no choice but to up the game. Um, otherwise, we could be looking at another scoreline from the first game at Celtic Park back in October. Of course, there is a big, big game as well for both clubs. I mean, it's it's probably the, the biggest test Celtic will get this season. And certainly it will be a, a good measure of how Aberdeen are progressing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, that's what I want. I want Celtic to come to, to Petrodri knowing that they're going to be in a game. I was delighted to see that Scott Brown came out and said, Aberdeen always give us a hard game. I expect us to give Celtic a hard game tomorrow. I'm not expecting Celtic to come and just cruise through the match at all. And I think it's also important that Celtic understand that Aberdeen will contest them throughout the season, will keep on their toes throughout the season. Listen, you know, Derek McInnes has already come out and said that he fully expects Celtic to go on and win the title. I think if you ask most Aberdeen fans, we're not conceding the title, of course not, but we fully expect Celtic to win the title. I just want Aberdeen to give Celtic a run for their money, like what we did last season. I understand that we tailored off towards the, the split, but take us as far as we possibly can go. Close the gap. That's all I want Aberdeen to do. It's all I've wanted them to do season on season since Derek McInnes came into the club. It's just close the gap at the top of the Premiership. And I think we're doing that. This season, I want it to go all the way. That Celtic know they have to win the league. So let's up the game, see where we go, see how we go, and who knows. Do you think the game tomorrow is a rehearsal for the cup final coming up in November, or do you think that probably there'll be two completely different games? Um, I think it, it might offer us an insight into what we could expect in the League Cup final, but I do think they're two completely different games. A final is a one-off game, isn't it? It's a one-off event. Yeah. In the league, you know you're going to be playing the teams three, four times a season. So you know what to expect. In a final, it's a one-off. Um, for some of the players, it will be their first time in a cup final, and they've never experienced stuff like that before. So they might be in a position to take it in, up their game. I don't know. That's up to each individual that goes out onto the park at Hamden that day. But I think from a psychological point of view, it might give, you know, for example, if Aberdeen win the game tomorrow, I think it'll give us a slight psychological advantage in the cup final, knowing that we've already beaten Celtic, that mm-hmm. the that they're capable of beating Celtic. And on any given day, they know if they up their game 11 against 11, anything can happen. Just a, a quick word, Ali, about about Hearts, who are obviously uh, competing at the moment for second place. And St Johnson, of mm. course, they're in the mix as well uh, at the moment. It would be, it'd be mm. foolish to completely discount them. But their transformation has been remarkable over the past couple of years. Oh, listen, I, I fully applaud them. And I think what, uh, what the football club have done from... A boardroom perspective as well has to be applauded, considering the dire financial position that they were in, going down into the championship, coming back up, competing again. Robbie Nielsen's got them playing some decent football. They've got some really decent players in that side. Listen, from a Scottish football point of view, I'm absolutely delighted that Hearts have come back in the manner that they've come back as well. Not just uh, not just on the football field, but they've remembered the fans. That's something that I really applaud them for. They remember that the fans played a huge part in getting the club back up to where they belong. And uh, listen, I think Hearts are going to be there or thereabouts. They're going to give us decent games. They always give us decent games. They always give us hard games. And it's the games against Hearts that if Aberdeen are serious about contesting a title, 
It's the games against your Hearts and your St. Johnstons that they have to win because it takes us a step above them. It shows that we can compete against these boys. And hey, listen, I, I, I have nothing but the utmost respect for Hearts and especially their board room as well. Okay, Ali, well, I suppose I, I, I should wish you good luck tomorrow, but I'll, 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 just, I'll just leave that as it is. I'm certainly looking forward to the game anyway, but if we can move away from on-field activities, you've written a book about mm. your experiences as an Aberdeen fan, and, and hopefully we're going to be able to talk to you within the next couple of weeks in a wee bit of depth about that. But Aberdeen, the, the book's called Big to Differ, incidentally. Think about the activities surrounding Aberdeen over the past couple of years. You know, the real box office, I mean, you've written a book, Richard Gordon's written a fantastic book about Gothenburg, and you're all mm. Colleague Margot McQuaig uh, produced a, a documentary about the Gothenburg year as well. Yeah. So Aberdeen are really right up there in the forefront. Are you uh, are you riding that commercial wave with your book? <laughs> <laughs> um, just kind of so happens that I suppose the timing of the release of the book um, was extremely fortunate because we won the the League Cup in 2014. Yeah, and uh, I, I released my book that same year. So. I was able to add that chapter to the book and open the book with that chapter about us winning the League Cup, which I thought was quite a, a nice way to begin the book, was to start with something extremely positive. But, the, you know, I wrote the book because, one, it was a love letter to my football club, but also I wanted to reminisce about days gone by. You know, I lost my father many, many years ago, and I wanted to remember my father in a, in a certain way in a different way, I suppose. And while writing the book, I was able to remember my father with all the stories that I wrote. So the book wasn't just written for Aberdeen fans or, or, or football fans. You know, obviously it's mainly written for, for Aberdeen fans. But, you know, in my heart, the book was written for my father. Well, I look forward to speaking to you soon about the book. I, I must admit, your father and grandfather's story are, are, are really quite compelling. And we hopefully can go into that a wee bit when we speak next. But there's uh, something else I, I, I would like to speak to you about. You've been doing a wee series of tongue-in-cheek, mm. or perhaps not tongue-in-cheek, you never know, Ali. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> interviews. You, you've, you've elevated, retrospectively, Willie Miller's status football as the best defender who, who ever lived, it would appear. Can you explain a wee bit to people who don't do Twitter what it is you've been doing, and, and with the, the, the serious A-grade or A-list celebrities you've been doing it with? Well, I'm in a fortunate position with my job. You know, I'm a senior football producer for BN Sports out here in Qatar. And during the Euros, we were bringing over a number of football pundits, celebrities, if you like. And I just wanted to have some fun, but I wasn't sure how to do it with the pundits. And it was when I knew Kevin Keegan was coming over. And it, it just literally, the idea just popped into my head. Why don't I just get to make make a video of him with his old famous rant on Sky Sports many years ago um, with Manchester United and Sir Alex Ferguson when he said, I would love it, I would love it if we beat them. I just tried to make a spin on that and just got him to, to say, I would love it, I would love it if Aberdeen won the Scottish Premiership this season. And it just kind of went from there. And it was received so well and it got so many hits and views. And I got um, so many responses People just absolutely loved it and thought it was really funny and it got many a smile to many a, many a people's face. And I just thought, okay, maybe I could do a series of these with, with the guests that come over here. And obviously, it's all, uh, they're, all they're, they're just spoofs. That's all they are. They're just all very tongue-in-cheek, all obviously Aberdeen Football Club based. 
in one way or another. Um, they're just meant as a bit of fun. Uh, all they're meant to do is bring a smile to people's faces. And that folk, you know, I, I've had unbelievably some comments where people have taken them seriously. And uh, they're not meant to be taken seriously. They're just a bit of fun. All I'm trying to do is have a laugh. They are a lot of fun, and I would heartily recommend them to to our listeners. And uh, and on the blog, I'm I'm going to put a couple of links on to what's your Twitter handle? It's at Ali underscore Beg. Okay, Ali, great to talk to you. Hopefully, we will speak to you again within the next week or so about your book. Good luck tomorrow. <laughs> Cheers, fella. <laughs> Ali Begg there, and we will be hearing from Ali very soon to talk further about his book, Beg to Differ. I think it's fair to say that the result yesterday and that the way the game panned out offered hardly any indication in how the League Cup final will go. It's part of what Ali was discussing, of course, in that interview. I would say that both sides will still be very confident in bringing the trophy home with them on the 27th of November, and that's a showpiece match that we've still got very much to look forward to. Turns out, though, after the setbacks that Hearts and St Johnson suffered yesterday, the Rangers have snuck up on the rails to take second spot in the league. Uh, it's a personal point of view, but Aberdeen and Hearts in particular must be kicking themselves that they've been outflanked in this way. The, the, the league is a marathon, obviously, uh, and any given snapshot can be misleading, but I don't think there's any doubt that Mark Warburton will be in a better place today compared to Derek McInnes, Tommy Wright or Robbie Nielsen. So how about Hearts' progress this season? I've just heard that they had a big disappointment yesterday and in midweek. We have already heard from Ali Begg about the Dons and here's what our own Ali Jambo has to say about the old jam tarts. Ali, welcome to the programme. I think you know that uh, Hearts have deservedly had lots of praise from uh, Scottish Football Monitor and elsewhere because of their transformation off the field and on the field over the past couple of years. But by any standards, that, that was a disappointing week for you this week. Oh, yeah. Good morning, John. Yeah. Yes, uh, it was a very, very disappointing week. Uh, the two games were, although away from home, you'd be expecting to, well, hope, hoping to pick up at least four points if you're going to seriously challenge at least for second place. The worst part uh, of it all seems to be the, the actual performances haven't been great. It's not a case of uh, banging on the door as much as just getting on with it and hoping to score. You know, that's the... the I've, I've, I've only seen the highlights that were shown by BBC and uh, Sunday's, uh, Saturday's game there. It was... Uh, the defending was just terrible. Although I have to say the, the way the Inverness players took their goals, you know, the, they, they took them very well, you know. It's it's one of these things. When things are going great for you, you make a mistake at the back, the attackers may, can't, don't have the control. But uh, when it's not going for you, not only do you make the mistake, but the attackers seem to be uh, at their best. So it's always a bit of a uh, downer when that happens, you know. But, uh, but I think the inconsistency of hearts is the same with Aberdeen. St Johnston as well are in the mix obviously for uh, second place and uh, the Rangers seem to be on a bit of a, an improvement or an improving curve at the moment but uh, I think all these teams will have their good times and their bad times this season and it's uh, going to be the last few weeks probably after the split that uh, we're going to see who's going to finish second I would think. 
I think that without any question, Mark Warburton must be a happy man this morning because, it, you know, he had a situation where St. Johnson, Hearts and Aberdeen were all ahead of him and most observers would probably conclude that, that all of those sides looked better than Rangers and yet uh, you, you have to give him a bit of credit for, for getting them up to second place. Oh yeah, I think uh, that's true. But uh, you know, if you remember the start of the season, they were in you know first place at one point, and uh, there was all the talk of them getting an, an easy start. But you can only play the teams that are in front of you. So they got a good start, and then they fell away. While uh, Hearts and Aberdeen were doing quite well, and St Johnston were were sticking around. The Rangers sort of slipped down the the pecking order, but they've started to pick up again, you know. And I think it'll be peaks and troughs for all the teams. It'll be, I think by Christmas, the scene will have changed a bit. Perhaps one of the clubs will have dropped out the race for second place by that time. And a lot will depend on who can make the signings during the transfer window. OK, Ali, I, I wanted to ask you about two things, really. But one thing specifically, before I go on to ask you about, you know, whether the, the Hearts project is still on schedule, as far as you're concerned. The the criticism that, that I noticed online about the manager uh, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, personally, I, I think it's unwarranted, but but he certainly appears to be attracting some uh, some criticism for Hearts fans. Do you think that's maybe just as a consequence of raised expectation? I think very much that's, uh, you know, uh, two years ago, every Hearts supporter on the, the planet would have been uh, happy just to still be alive. But uh, once you get a, a sniff of success, football supporters are the most fickle group you can imagine and uh, you think that the improvement should continue year on year uh, I think they've reached a point where contracts were up for, for some of the good players and of course they had, they had to sell Osman so you know that was a quite a windfall they got there yeah. but uh, you know losing him uh, I doubt Hearts are going to be really able to replace the quality that, that he showed until They've got a bit more money in the bank and other projects are sorted, unless we can find a wee gem amongst the younger players. So, the, but the supporters aren't, you know, they, they want everything. And I, I, I'm amongst it, you know. I have to admit, I'll sit at home uh, listening to on the radio or if it's shown live on the telly, watching it, thinking, you know, we should be doing better than this. But when you, the cold light of day, when you think about it, you know, the hearts have no given right to expect Robbie Nielsen to perform miracles every week. Uh, it was a huge effort to get out of the, the championship to, to win that so well. And it's obvious as everybody finds uh, when you come up into the top league, everything's so much harder. You know, it's, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's very difficult. But I didn't personally blame Nielsen for it. I think some of his, I think the, the team's not, quite displaying the sort of control they had. Uh, even last season, quite a few games, they seemed to control the game. I don't think they've really been controlling even the games they've been winning, albeit the, the 5-1 win against Inverness shows that they had a, a lot of that game. But they don't seem to be controlling the games. And, you know, like so the, the Motherwell game that could have gone either way for most of that game. Um, and uh, Hearts just showed the fire, had, they had the firepower in that game. Whereas other teams have been getting the firepower, and you wonder where that's coming from. You know, it's. I think Robbie Nielsen's probably having it difficult at the moment getting uh, the, the team to play the way he wants them to play. But uh, I, I think 
you know, I think if this season, if we end up um, getting a European spot, Robbie Nielsen's doing his job. Of course he is. And speaking of doing his or her job, I think Anne Budgie's definitely doing hers. The off-field developments uh, recently in terms of the new planning permission for the new stand, staying at Tyne Castle and getting the future sorted out once and for all, that, that must be a big, big bonus. And also, I suppose, with the excitement surrounding all of those kind of developments, a good lure to attract players. Oh, I should think so. And they've got that fantastic training facility, which I think probably a bigger draw to some players, even than the, the, the quality of the stadium itself. Uh, because they look at it and they think, well, this is this is what keeps my career going. The training, the facilities, and the medical side of it as well. You know, it's uh, it must impress them. Although I think more and more clubs in Scotland are, you know, able to provide pretty good facilities and training and uh, the aftercare and, and what have you. But uh, yeah, and, uh, things are on the up at heart. So there's no doubt about that. And I think. We as supporters have got to accept that there's money going to be getting spent on a, a new stand that uh, is much more important than than winning game on game. Yeah. Uh, it'd be great to, to be building a stand and winning every game, but that's just not really possible, is it? It's, yeah, well, of course, that, but that's the job of the, of the management team, both on and off the field anyway, to try and get the balance right with that, isn't it? And I think, certainly from this outside observer's perspective, they, they appear to be getting it right on the whole. Uh, as you say, there, there are peaks and troughs along the way, but but I think if you smooth them all out, it, uh, that there's definitely an upward trend at Tynecastle. Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, we were coming from rock bottom, and there's only going to go up. But, you, you know, as long as we get to a plateau... Uh, and don't dip, yeah. uh, because that's how it is. You know, you've got to build, and that's how you build. You know, you you set your targets, and if you if you get there uh, on time, that's good. But then it might take a wee while before you can kick on from there. Um, and I think that's what's happening at heart. So there's, there's so much to be done that they can only take. You know, they've taken some major steps, but at times those steps have got to be smaller. You know, than, uh, and that's and it's the same at every club. The Aberdeen, they look like they're going to have quite a bit of an expenditure in yeah. building a new ground. So uh, they're going to either they might be luckier than Hearts, of course, because Hearts have really got to get it done as quickly as possible because of the, the state of the existing stand. Aberdeen, they're in a pretty good position in the league. I think I, I, I would imagine they're going to finish second. I think they're the the side that they to me that, that look the most consistent, even although they they have been dropping points. So I think they're the, in the strongest. They look the strongest of the second place contenders, and and Celtic are out of sight. You know that's the, well. They are at know. the moment, yeah. But but I have to say that I, I do think, and I do think Rangers deserve credit for being where they are at the moment, especially since the in the playing side of it, at any rate, most observers would, would think that that's a bit below par. But they have come through. But I think Aberdeen and Hearts have have shown some good qualities over the past week as well. I mean, I think. The Hearts' response to going uh, two down at Inverness was fantastic. And I think that uh, Aberdeen's performance against Celtic was a, a, a real test for Celtic. As obviously, it was it was 1-0, but, but in the last 10 minutes of the game, Aberdeen could easily have scored. So I think that those teams are, have definitely shown that they've got qualities and they've got somewhere to go and perhaps build on for the rest of the season. But can, can I ask you this? Because it, you just touched on about new stadiums 
new stands and things like that. Aberdeen fans it might be arranged for them to leave Pataudry. Obviously, that's not happening with Hearts because you won't believe in Tynecastle. But w- will you be sad to see the old stand go? Yeah, very much. I was actually just thinking about that this morning. Uh, and it's the same in so many grounds around around the country. What we grew up remembering of the, the old grounds where we were all standing and there was a, the posh folk got the stand. <laughs> uh, you know, when I think back to what Tynecastle was like and... Uh, you know, we want to stay at Tyne Castle, but it's still at Tyne Castle, but it's yeah. not the Tyne Castle we grew up with. And it's the, the same uh, at Celtic and uh, Rangers and other places. The two Dundee teams have still got mementos of the past. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for, for Hearts, once that the old stand goes, Tyne Castle still be great, lovely, but uh, the memories, and it's the memories, I think, that you, you, know, you want to stay... Uh, your traditional home because that's where you grew up and that's what, what you remember and I, I just think you know no longer will I be out looking across from the Wheatfield stand to see that stand you know um, yeah, it was there since since I was a boy and yeah. <laughs> a lot longer than now I'm not that old it will be a, a sad lesson uh, my wife and I we seldom get up to Edinburgh but talking about uh, we'll have to get up early next year and um, sit in the old stand one last time. Yeah, I have to uh, say that, that, that I remember the iconic photographs of Tyne Castle in the past, not only of the stand, but of those tenements where people could could be watching the game. You know, you, you <laughs> see the behind the terrace. and But of course, the new stands have added an amazing amount of atmosphere to Tyne Castle. It's a really fearsome place for for people to go and play and and I think that they actually enhanced the stadium so perhaps uh, a brand new stand might further that. Oh yeah, oh it's going to be fantastic, you know, from a heart supporter's point of view uh, to see it and to see it all balanced out. That's one of the good things as well. It's going to be pretty well balanced, the same style yeah. on all four sides. So that, that's pretty good, but as I say the nostalgia side of it, the bygone days have be will be totally gone. The players that ran out onto the field down that tunnel, you know, Willie Bald and uh, one of my favourites, Willie Wallace, I'm sure he's a favourite of yours. All these players from my boyhood, these memories are, you know, they're just memories now. Yeah. Uh, yeah but they, they can't take away the memories, can they, Ali? Oh, no, 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 that's, uh, that's it. But, you know, you have might uh, have experienced it yourself as well. Uh, these players that, that are just memories now, but they're running out the tunnel. I, I always uh, got a great thrill when I watched the Hearts running out the, that tunnel and, and the tunnel will be gone as well, you know. Yeah. You think of the old players and the, the old cotton strips running out, yeah. bouncing a, a brown ball as they, they came out, yeah. you know, it was... Uh, Thompson T. And, and even that's changed now because they all have to walk out together and uh, line up and what have you. Yeah. Uh, I know that's probably for the benefit of the cameras. But, uh, you know, in, in the days gone by, uh, was it the players would run out and, uh, the, you know, hardly on the pitch and somebody would kick the ball into the air and what have you. Uh, these memories, you know, now remain a memory. You know, oh, I'm getting a bit uh, 
You're getting uh, teared up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, I, I must admit, from my own childhood, I mean, I can remember Crookshank, Holt, Shevlin. Those guys were, were were huge personalities for me as a wee boy as well, you know. And uh, Davy Holt, a very unsung hero of, of uh, Hearts in the past. I mean, he was a real stalwart for Hearts for a long, long time. But oh. my best friend at school, who was a Hearts fan, he was a huge fan. He worshipped Jim Brown. I must admit, I didn't agree with him in that. If, if, he'd, said, if he'd have said Davy Holt, I'd probably agree with him. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, I don't know how Davy Holt would get on now, because yeah. uh, he was uh, the master of the slide tackle, you know, and yeah. uh, he'd probably been outlawed by now. Uh, but uh, he could start his tackle about 10 yards away from the player <laughs> and, and, and take the ball. You know, this is uh, the yeah. thing they did. I think it's a skill. that's a skill that's gone, isn't it? Uh, the slide tackle, right? Yeah. Because players are now told from an early age you must stay on your feet yeah. and, uh, I think uh, also because players are quicker these days uh, so therefore the slide tackle probably does compromise you uh, in a way that perhaps it didn't in the 60s but anyway just to sum up Ali you would say then that basically Project Hearts is still on course oh definitely I think two years ago uh, it was just a life support machine we had now uh, we're off the life support and uh, getting uh, so much stronger and I think it's building, building the, the squad. And if they can do as well at the end of the season uh, as they did last season, I think it, some people would see it as standing still. But so much more is going on than than just trying to win the games. Yeah. And uh, I think it's then it'll be be next season that that I think will be the the, the one that counts. They'll have to, I think, to to keep everybody on side, the supporters. They'll, they'll have to start to kick on a bit, I think. The crowds are getting at the moment gives us hope to be able to fill the new stand. If the actual quality on the park doesn't get better, then you won't be filling the, the stands. That's the, Because that's what football supporters are like. The, uh, winning makes such a difference. Well, Ali, we'll have to wait and see, but uh, as you say, perhaps next season will be the crucial season for Hearts, but there's still a lot, a long way to go this season, and the best of luck for that. As always, a great pleasure to chat to you. Thanks a lot for coming on today, and we'll speak to you soon. Well, thanks very much for that, John. Uh, might I just say uh, good luck to Celtic uh, this week in the Europe? <laughs> I think they'll need it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll see you, Ali. Ali Jumbo in top forum there and we'll definitely be hearing from him again in the very near future we'd also like to add a wee section to the podcast about the the real clangers we hear about in the press you know the stuff that happens every day I already assume of course that none of you actually buy any of those things uh, but I'm sure you get to hear about it anyway if there's anything you think we should include uh, drop me a line at bp at sfm.scot and we will certainly consider anything that you send in for inclusion in the programme. Also, we'd like to hear from anyone out there who would like to get involved in putting together programmes like this, either in a technical or a presentational role. Again, drop us a line to register your interest, and we can have a wee chat about that. Well, that's all for the first weekly monitor. Thanks again to the two allies, Beg and Jambo, for their contributions to the programme, and thanks to you for listening. From me, John Cole, bye for now.